Hello and welcome to Stormtrace Podcast, episode number 132. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And uh, second week in a row, it's a two-man show. Yeah, it's just us. How fun. Sorry. <laughs> now that our filters are gone, we can say whatever we want. Exactly. No, we'll, st- we'll be good. Hey, uh, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. And hey, you know it's open, Zoner. Uh, nominations for the podcast award is my guess. That is correct. Over at podcastawards.com, you can nominate us, your favorite show, of course, and any other show you'd like to see recognized for their hard work for the ninth annual podcast awards. We're going for the technology category, and you know, maybe if you want to put us for people's choice or best produced. Definitely want to uh, to shout out some love to our fans. Last year, your guys' nominations uh, pushed up up into the finals. We couldn't have gotten there without you, without your continued support. We'd love to see it again. You can only vote once, so if you've already done this, don't do it again. It won't let you. But if you haven't yet, make sure you gather up all the podcasts you like to listen to. Fill out the form at podcastawards.com. Hit submit. Um, you have until the 15th, and we'd really like to represent uh, you guys again at uh, down in Las Vegas. Yes, yeah, last year was was a good time, and this year they have some more awesomeness planned, even more so than last year, so it would definitely be awesome if we could go down, so please take a moment and, and get your nominations in. Most people don't know this, you know, we, we get some uh, feedback every once in a while, but we've brought this up maybe once or twice, but did you know we happen to have a, a phone number? Yes, we do, and nobody has ever called us, have they? Well, I've gotten some spam once. Did you? Bill yeah. Collectors? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to call yeah, Bill Collectors for a podcast, who knew? Um, but if you want to give us a call, we'll put your, we'll put you up on the air, so be careful what you say. Number is 801-917-GEEK. That's 801-917-4335. Uh, we'll go ahead and take your voicemails, respond to you, and play them on the air. So, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Into Even if our, you think we suck, you let us know what we're thinking. We can only get better. With our headlines this week, we're going to switch them around and start off in the world of entertainment, uh, most notably comic entertainment. And this week was the second episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it was better, I think. I wrote a review of the pilot. I wasn't so kind to it. Uh, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. But it got some really, 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 really high ratings, so many that everyone kind of knew there was no way those ratings could go over into the next episode, right? I don't think they were expecting it to drop this much. It dropped from 11.9 million viewers for the pilot to 8.4 million viewers. Now, I, I don't want to bring up sour grapes here, but those kind of drops are the kinds of drops that cause shows like, I don't know, Jericho to get canceled. Well, and, and here's the problem, too, is that the article that we're referencing is one of the big ones that's out there right now, but it points out that it doesn't take into account time-shifting uh, viewers, of which I am one, yes. or, and it only counts the Eastern and Central viewing times. How can, you get an accurate, how, how can you get an accurate representation if you're only counting half the country? That's a very good question. Um I don't have an answer. We'll have to see how it goes. They have ordered an X amount of uh, of episodes already made. They're already, you know, in the tube on their way to us. But it does make you wonder what's going to be happening. They they blew up part of the plane, and 
you know, a special one-eyed cameo was there to to give grief about losing the plane. It's like, you've only had it six days. How have you already lost the plane? This was a nice plane. It had a bar. Which makes me wonder, it's like, okay, was the plane way too expensive for the series past the first two episodes? Did they really have to get rid of it that fast? Is that what we're looking at here in terms of budget? We're stuck with Fitzsimmons, and we lose the plane. It may have been, actually. That that may be part of it, because, you know, to do a... This is a extension of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and so people are expecting big budget, but you can't do big movie budget on a TV. Well, you can. You just can't sustain it. I mean, no, you can't. So uh, maybe, maybe this is their big movie budget going down to TV budget. Yeah, it's. I, I would almost prefer it actually if they get rid of the plane. The, the plane's pretty cool. The plane was really, really cool. But both in the pilot and in uh, this episode, it was starting to look a bit like Team Knight Rider in, in terms of special effects of them loading and unloading the plane. It was pretty bad. So, well, I, I haven't seen the second episode, but I did hear that it was a lot better than the first. The first, you know, I, I didn't hear a lot of good about it. It was met with a lot of viewers that didn't like it. And so it's good that the second episode I've heard has done better. Uh, I'll probably watch it tomorrow, but I think that ABC really has their hands full. They're going to have, there's, there's a lot of expectations for this and they're going to have to meet those expectations or it's not going to go anywhere. A lot of people did uh, view the first one, like you said. Some of them liked it more than I did. Some of them liked it less than I did. But the one common thing that all of us agree on, none of us can stand Fitzsimmons. No one can stand them. Just shut them up. Every time they're on screen, I cringe. That's not a good position to be in in the series. No, it's especially right out of the gate. It's not a good thing. Yeah. So, okay, um, moving on, let us know. What do you guys think? Has anyone out there seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? What is everyone else thinking? Do they want to see it stick around? What would they like to see them do with it? Let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or 801-917-GEEK. I I need to remember it. I don't even remember our own phone number. (laughs) I don't even know my own phone number. I never call myself. Um, switching into the movie realm, J.J. Abrams has recently said in a interview, and this is hilarious, actually, he is sorry about the lens flare. Uh, he is, uh, he, he's in an, this interview, and he admits that he has finally realized he has a problem. When he was showing a scene to his wife, and his wife even had to say, I can't see what's going on. I don't understand what's going on here. That he even has to step back and say, yeah, I think I went too nuts with this. Uh, his actual quote is, I know I get a lot of grief for that, but I'll tell you there are times when I'm working on a shot, I think, oh, this would be really cool with a lens flare. But I know it's too much, and I apologize. This is how stupid it was. I actually had to use ILM to remove lens flare in a couple shots, which is moronic. But I think admitting you're an addict is the first step towards recovery. One, this tells me two things. First off, J.J. Abrams is not a director who is too full of himself. That he's willing to admit, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't, you know, maybe I should listen to people that I've gone too far. Uh, and when you consider that he's going to be taking over the Star Wars franchise, that's a good thing for a director of Star Wars to do. Yes, it is. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. uh, and step. And the second thing it tells me, and I was kind of actually surprised about this, I always thought the lens flare were added in post. 
I always thought they were little special effects, like a Photoshop filter that were thrown in there by some, you know, stamp happy fourteen year old. Yeah, I, I didn't that realize. Too. I didn't realize that was actually real lens flares that were being produced by specific set lighting and the type of lens he was using. He was doing it deliberately. Well, either way, it's deliberate, whether well, it's okay, post production right. or. But I, I think that it's really funny that he recognizes the fact that he has a problem with lens flare. So I, but you know, it's interesting because I remember watching Alias and and some of his other shows. Did he do Felicity? I never really watched it, but I don't remember a whole lot of lens flare being. I think he does it more in the movies? Yeah, I, it seems like with Star um, Trek, eight millimeter. Do you mean Super Eight? Yeah, I was just thinking. I'm like, no way. Eight millimeter was the Nicolas Cage snuff film. Never yeah. mind. That was yeah. a different one. Different kind of flair. <laughs> but I don't recall it on the small screen. It seems like once he got Star Trek, he discovered the lens flare. And I could be wrong, but it seems like about that time is when he realized, hey, this is a really cool thing and I need to put it in every single shot. I think it's actually a little bit more, uh, if you go back, because Super 8 did have its share of lens flare, but it was very, very subtle. It was one or two shots, or just one lens flare in a shot. And I think he kind of, well, wait a minute, I think that's really cool, and no one's telling me otherwise. I'm going to go whole hog next time. Four lens flares in a single shot, yeah! <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that could be. But, you know, if I if I recall correctly, and I haven't seen Super 8 for a while, but it seems to me like the lens flare were like appropriate lens flare, like a train coming in the dark yeah. type of lens flare. Exactly. And that's why I was like, no, we thought it was cool because it totally fit the situation. Yeah. I, I don't recall it just being there to be there. Yeah. Not like uh, Star Trek. Not like Star Trek. In other space opera news, Firefly may be coming back, though not as we know it. No. Now, comic it, book. Now, if you haven't been aware, Serenity already has some comics out. Um, I have a few of them myself. Uh, there's another one, the, uh, the, the Tale of Shepherd book. Uh, there's things left behind, those le- left behind and better days. And there's another one as well. I forget the title, but it, uh, but I'll get back to that. They're talking about restarting the series in comic book form after the movie Serenity. Specifically, you know, what has happened to the ship, where everyone is now, what's happened to them. Now, the Geeks of Doom article we're reading here, geeksofdoom.com, they're saying that this is the first one set after the movie. That's actually incorrect, because that other one I mentioned that I couldn't remember the title of deals directly with Wash after he's died. His friends are actually putting their money together to buy a, uh, a Mark II Firefly, naming it Hoban Wash, and they're kind of reminiscing about their times with him in the Academy or growing up or whatnot, and actually shows Zoe, and she's pregnant with Wash's kid. So it's not accurate in that regard because there actually is another comic written after the movie. But this is really kind of cool that we get to continue to see this story, and it turns out the Alliance is not done with River. There's something else going on there. Yeah, either way, though, I think this is awesome. You know, Jericho was able to successfully do a season three in comic book form. I believe Buffy has continued in the comics. Um, Wow, was that two Jericho references in the first 12 minutes? I'm doing good tonight. But uh, I think it's awesome that that they're giving us more Firefly because the fans 
that we love it. We love mm-hmm. it. So keep giving it to us, and we'll keep buying it. There, there is a, a two-page preview on that uh, interview if you want to check it out. Art, the art is pretty good. I mean, it's hard not. It's hard to to draw space badly. But give us really dark job, with but, stars. But it's from the alliance's point of view, and it's kind of interesting. There, it's like uh, you know, there's a firefly that doesn't want to be found, and frankly, I'm not sure we want to find it. Last time someone got in their head to chase down this girl, it didn't end too well. If they want to stay hidden, why not let them? So that's actually the first time we've ever seen anything from the alliance standpoint that's been anything other than our way or the highway we're going to kill everyone so i think this this could take a really interesting turn i'm really happy to see it now does that article say who wrote the story was it a whedon i actually i don't think so um i know i read it and for whatever reason i can't think of it now here yeah i can't recall uh no they don't know who's writing it yet but uh, buffy the vampire slayer artist george's uh yeah, George Jontry will be featured. Okay, cool. And I've slaughtered his name. Probably. <laughs> you just offended all of our Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic book fans. How dare you? All five of them? <laughs> no, not all of our listeners. I-, I know Squishy is one, actually, believe it or not. He loves him some Buffy. Right, speaking of slaughtering, um, Simpson is going to be killing off another character. This hasn't happened for a while. No, it's what, 2000 that it happened when they killed off Maud? Yeah. Wow, that long. I think so. Let's Getting see, shot uh, by a t-shirt gun sucks. Troy McClure died. But he didn't die on the show, they just disappeared him. Oh, you're uh, right. Bleeding Gums Murphy died. Bleeding Gums Murphy, Marvin Monroe, and Maud Flanders. They're the only three, but now they're going to work on a fourth one. Um, and the difference is in the Simpsons, when they kill a character, they're dead. Yeah. They're like permanently dead. They never come back. Unless it happens in the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Well, yeah, everyone kind of dies. And in fact, have you seen the, um, the Del Toro? Oh, that's amazing. I can't wait for that. Yeah. The new Treehouse of, uh, of Horror is going to be awesome. Treehouse of Terror. Which one is it? Terror or Horror? I don't remember now. Crap. You broke my bra- brain. This is the brain fart episode. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're saying the only hint that they're giving is that the person uh, who's doing the voice or the character is voiced by somebody who won an Emmy for doing this character. Which says nothing because everyone on that show has won an Emmy on that show. Even guest stars have won Emmys for doing character voices on that show. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer and Hathaway, they both won Emmys for guest starring on The Simpsons. So I'm I'm pretty curious to see who it is. I think Mr. Burns is the obvious choice, but that's he only because he's like 150. Yeah, he can't die. Grandpa Simpson would be the next one, but you take him away and you got no Grandpa Simpson. Who's That's just a sad day. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. It's the monkey. The monkey? The helper monkey? The helper monkey. He's not helpful. <laughs> he just steals donuts. But yeah, if you guys have any idea of who you think it might be, let us know. Get your guesses in. If you're right, we'll. We should actually give like, you... start up a pool on the site. Yeah, we should. We should. Yeah, we'll we'll give you like the pride of knowing that you're right on the air. Okay. Uh, in the UK, evidently they don't play a lot of duck hunt. I know that there was no segue there. It was a complete sausage moment. We're into video games now. <laughs> And evidently an armed response team, what we call a SWAT team, 
uh, laid siege to an entire neighborhood and locked it down after a report came that someone was wildly waving a firearm out their window at the neighborhood. Well, after after locking everything down and slowly approaching the house, they found out it was a light gun used for computer consoles, you know, like Duck Hunt, and that it wasn't even in use at the time. Someone had looked into this person's house, seen them putting it away, and called the cops. Now, mind you, in the UK, they don't have guns like we do here. I mean, granted, if you look in your neighbor's window and there's a gun being waved around, you might still think something's up. But Not over in there, my neighborhood. Well, no. <laughs> you're, you're in the Utah ghetto, you know. If everyone's not packing, <laughs> then, they're, then they're really suspicious. Yeah, yeah. It's how but, we roll. But in the UK and in other countries where gun use really isn't legal, it really does set off some alarms. However, in this case, I think maybe, just perhaps, they went a little too far. Probably. Probably a lot too far, I think. It could be worse. They could have, like, well... No, this this was worse. This was worse. I was just thinking. No, no, back. it could have been worse if they were also in cosplay. That is true. If they had but, a weapon and they were in cosplay, I was just thinking back to the story from we did a couple months ago about the the development studio that had the Master Chief statue or something in their window. Oh and, yes, it was the Call of Duty statue. Yeah, the Call of Duty, and uh, you know that at least is kind of justified for being concerned. You see a sniper standing next to a window, but somebody with a Nintendo gun, that's just embarrassing. Well, I still think, like I said, at least it wasn't cosplay, because then they would have shot the kid for having a giant sword and wearing body armor, or being a Pokemon or something, I don't know. Because, yeah, those Nerf swords are very threatening. (laughs) Very. Uh, Finally, into the tech news, we're a whole third of the way into the show, and this is our first mention of tech. We get tired of talking tech all the time. Well, you do. Uh, global Internet is coming. They finally launched some parts of our global Internet. Now, most people don't think about this. They figure, well, there's already the, you know, the transatlantic and the transpacific cables. There's already Internet. The fact of the matter is, if you took up all the world's connections to the Internet and averaged them out, you're looking at a 3 megabit average, 3 megabits per, spe- per second. To transfer 100 gigabytes, that would take three days. It's almost faster to overnight something. Well, this new system is actually hoping to combat that. They've launched up these satellites that will supposedly bring everything up to a much more reasonable speed. I'm trying to get the actual, uh, actual number here, but it doesn't say it. Well, that's worthless. Just make up a number, dude. Um, oh. 114. 114, yes. 114 gigaquads a second. No, um, they're actually talking about 2.1 gigabits. So double Google Fiber speeds. And on one hand, this is really, really cool because, hey, look, global internet. Isn't that awesome? And on the other hand, I think we're forgetting something really big. At least here in the U.S., we have to deal with carriers. With ISPs. Which is really unfortunate. I mean, if you look at any sci-fi... Uh, let's take Firefly, because we've already mentioned them once this episode, right? Um, when they wanted to hop on the internet, they called it the Cortex. And there was only one Cortex, and everyone went into the Cortex, right? Star Trek, you have the subspace network. Everyone talks over subspace, and that's it. 
that only happens in sci-fi. In the real world, we're never going to see this speed because Comcast or Quest or Verizon or even, you know, heaven forbid, Google doesn't want us to see it. They're going to charge the crap out of us and we'll never be able to access the speed that fast. So that's kind of sad. Do you think it's really because they don't want us to see it or just because they know that if they can get us those speeds, they can charge us like our eyeballs for it? Well, yeah, I mean, that's really more it. It's not that they don't want us to see it. It's just that they want to really charge us to see it. Fair enough. So, so that's really cool for all the governments and universities of the world, but it doesn't really make much of a difference to us. I'll stick with my AOL dial-up, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> You've got leprosy. Boom, AOL reference and Simpsons reference. Yes, and if you're on AOL, you may as well just have leprosy. It's a twofer. Yeah, they're about the same. Okay, uh, speaking of glitches, I don't know if we were actually talking about glitches, but we are now. Verizon well, leprosy's ma- kind of a glitch. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Verizon had a massive glitch in their online store. I sure hope Schmitty was aware of this, because he's been waiting. It, it used to be that... Well, it not used to be. It is. If you have a unlimited data plan, then you have a grandfathered plan, and you can't update your phone. If you want to, you have to pay for it full price and move the plan over to the new phone. You can't get a subsidized phone. Well, a glitch happened in the online store that suddenly allowed you to update your phone using the new consumer price. Usually, you know, you have that huge subsidy that knocks half the price of the phone off. And it allowed people to pull over their grandfathered plans for unlimited data. Now, this was fixed after, I think, a day and a half. Verizon was pretty fast to fix it, yeah. But unlike what everyone was expecting, they said, yeah, it was a glitch. It shouldn't have happened. We'll honor it. For the people who actually got in under the wire and did it, we'll honor it. I think that's really cool because, you know, people think Verizon's the devil. So it's cool that they weren't the devil in this situation. I, I, I think don't that's think quite think admirable. The devil. I mean, they're not AT&T. No, they're not, but I've heard people say that Verizon is actually worse than AT&T, but I disagree. Those are people who have never been on AT&T. Yeah, I totally disagree. I left AT&T for Verizon, and I've been pretty happy. They are pricey, but I, I've been happy with the service. But yeah, a lot. they could have just gone through and said, you know, this was a mistake, screw you. And they didn't, which I, I'm really glad about. I, I think there was the possibly the potential for a class action lawsuit had they done that. I don't know how many people actually got through. Maybe it was only a few hundred, a few thousand. Wasn't enough to worry about. I don't know. But that that's pretty cool that they're not being a jerk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking about being jerks. I shouldn't say that. That's not necessarily fair. But it turns out, through a study from Anantech.com, androids have been cheating, like, a lot. Well, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I want to say, like, eight months ago, another phone, it turned out, was cheating on its uh, benchmarks. Uh, I believe it was the Galaxy S4. Mm Mm-hmm. The Galaxy S4 was found to actually be overclocking itself specifically for one or two types of benchmarks. And that it was giving itself falsely inflated scores. Well, after finding this out, Anantec went and uh, went through it with every single Android phone they could get their hands on and some tablets and found out they all cheat. They're all built by their manufacturer in some way to ramp themselves up specifically for benchmarks, which kind of, yeah, kind of defeats the purpose 
of the benchmarks. Now, yeah. if, if, if anyone wonders why benchmarks are important, I'd like to take you back in time to uh, 2000, 2001. Heady time in computer technology, okay? We haven't quite... Um, we have actually just beaten the one gigahertz barrier, but those CPUs are way too expensive. So everyone has these lower ones. I had a Celeron 300A processor. It was a slot one, and it had this ridiculous overhead allowing for massive overclocks. But because it was a slot one, it couldn't really deal with heat real well. So I rigged my computer in such a way that I had a can of compressed air turned upside down. I set the overclock limits, bumped the thing up to almost 500 megahertz. That's a 200 megahertz upgrade. That's almost... That's putting it at 166% of what it should be at. And as as soon as my thermals went too high, I'd be blasting it with this compressed air upside down. So I was getting that super cold fluid on there. And I'd be I'd have just enough to boot it up, get to Windows, run the benchmark, get a screenshot of the result, and shut it down before it fried the silicone on my CPU. That was great for... You know, it was great for bragging rights, but everyone knew that there was no way I could actually run that. I was lambasted online. I mean, I was a young kid. I didn't really care. But everyone made fun of me because everyone knew that it wasn't actually indicative of real-world performance. Benchmarks were necessary for that because you didn't know which CPU and which setup actually had the best performance. And we're right back there again. These benchmark programs that were developed for Android were supposed to help people develop an opinion on which one was best, and they've been lying to us the whole time. Not the programs, but the handsets. So where do we go from here? I don't really know. I mean, I don't I don't think most people are going to care enough for there to be any backlash. I mean, yeah, okay, so a Nantech found out, and some really techie people are going to find out. But other than that... The general public's probably never going to know. The general public still think iPhone is an okay system. You know, enough said. It is. It's so pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it only gives you seizures and motion sickness. But I don't really see it taking a huge hit. I think it's a bit of egg on the face. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to claim, hey, our Android handset is this fast for a while without anyone looking at it going, I don't believe you. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Everybody's going to be skeptical at this point going forward if they are in the know, if they mm-hmm. understand what what actually well, has taken place. And let's be honest, the only people who care about that stat anyway are the ones who know that they've just been caught doping. Yeah. The, the general public, like I said, the general public don't care because, ooh, I was told this one's fast. Well, yes, technically it is fast. Is it faster than this other one? Well, maybe, maybe not. But no, that's still accurate. It is still fast. They just do don't the know general the public look at speed like we do, though? I, I, I don't even know how to relate to the general public anymore when it comes to technology. I think they do, but I don't think they quite catch all of it. For instance, my wife. My wife is not necessarily the general public. She's been married to me too long, and I've unfortunately have corrupted her. But she is not so caught up on all the stats and the specs to really care that much. She had an old LG MyTouch Q crap phone, and she hated it. She hated it, hated it. She gets a new HTC phone, and she loves it. 
big difference, other than the Android kernel, was that the new one is faster, and she can pick up on it that it's faster. And it's fast enough to do everything she wants. Is it faster than a Moto X? Not on your life. Is it faster than a Galaxy 3? Nope. But in her mind, it's fine because it's faster. So I think they do pick up on it to a degree, but it's not necessarily the all-encompassing stat like it is to us. Okay. Yeah, I just, I've been in the tech world for so long, I don't even know how to relate to people anymore that don't be techy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good grammar. I talk good. Well, this phone has a 1.8, but this one has a 1.9. Yeah, but it's only point one difference. But you don't understand. It has a 1.9. I must have that. <laughs> That's exactly how it is, though. It is to us. I don't know. I, I, I totally feel you right there. It's, that is exactly how it is. I don't care anything else. It has a point one difference. I must have the higher number. It's a 4.35 inch screen, but this is a 4.4 inch screen. Ah! People, you know, the worst I've seen this and, and, Listeners, if you've seen this too, you know what I'm talking about. But this new pixel per inch metric, you know, which screens have the most PPI? The fact of the matter is, anything I think above 310, and your the eye can't differentiate it. It's the so-called retina display that Apple likes to call it. Anything above that number at that distance, and your eye can't differentiate the difference. It's physically impossible for us. So why is it we still have cell phones advertising, oh, but this one has 370 PPI. This one only has 345. It's a 25 PPI difference, and you literally can't see the difference. It's all bragging rights. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But we now know they've been lying anyway. Yes. Hey, speaking of Apple and Retina, uh, Apple recently just surpassed Coke to be the most recognizable and most valued brand ever. I shouldn't say ever because Coke well, held across for a very the long globe, time. across the globe, yeah, it's the most recognized and the most valued brand. So much so, and I want to share this story. Uh, Squishy actually was just writing me today. He was speaking with a coworker, and she was talking about the new iPad commercial she had just seen. And it was really, really weird because it was comparing itself to a Microsoft, and she thought that was very strange because iPads typically don't do that in their own commercials. And he thought it was hilarious because he knows it wasn't an iPad commercial. It was a Surface commercial. It was a Microsoft Surface commercial with Windows 8. They were mocking the iPad. Now, that, that's the commercial that I mentioned on last week's show, isn't it? With the yeah, USB yeah. ports and, okay. Do you still think I'm pretty? Yeah, the one where, yes. and if, the, if listeners haven't seen it, there's an iPad and Siri is talking to you and there's a surface and Siri's going, oh dear, I don't have a USB port. Can someone help me up? I don't have a kickstand. And it goes through all these different features that Apple does not have. And then all of a sudden saying, this isn't going to end well for me, is it? Pulls it away, there's the price. There's a $150 difference. This person was convinced that all tablets are iPads and that the one that was, you know, falling over was the cheaper version and the Microsoft one was the more expensive, the, ni- the nicer iPad. Now, you can laugh all you want saying, how uneducated is this person? But the truth of the matter is, this person thinks that all tablets are iPads. That's brand recognition. Well, it's just like years ago. Everybody thought that MP3 players, regardless of who made them, were iPods. My well, kids, yeah. I had to tell them, no, it's not an iPod. It is a creative 
Zen vision or whatever it was. Yeah. Or, or, or go back further. You use Q-tips. No, I actually use a cotton swab. I use Western Family because I'm cheap. No, it's a Q-tip. I make a Xerox copy. Yeah. Go grab me a Kleenex. No, it's it's a Puffs. (laughs) It's ew. But that's brand recognition, and that's what we're talking about. And Apple has reached the point now where everyone thinks everything is Apple somehow. I don't know if that's good or not. I think think to some extent that it is. I think it's a very good thing to be the most recognized brand. I mean, look at what Coke has been able to do in the last however many hundred years they've been around. Uh, They opened a store in Vegas. They did. They did. But, you know, when I was in Southern Africa, everybody drank Coke. Everybody knew Coke. Nobody knew Pepsi. It was all Coke. And I think that that's kind of what we're seeing with with Apple, possibly global. I haven't been around the world since this happened, so um, I can't speak for that. But I imagine the same type of thing is happening. Everyone's got their iPads. Everyone's got their iPods. uh, And it's all Apple. I wonder, the difference here being is that Coke doesn't change much, right? You can buy a can of Coke one year. And buy another can of Coke the next year. And it doesn't matter that they haven't changed because it's the same formula and it's just Coke. But that Technology the same is different, can be, No, not necessarily. The same can be said for Apple. They've been putting out the same product for the last how many years? But not exactly the same. We were talking about this last week, remember? People growing complacent, choosing Apple because without they're not really thinking about it. They're just choosing it because they've always chosen it. And that, oh, yeah. that, that will that'll wear off. It doesn't wear off with Coke. It doesn't wear off with Q-tips. You don't care that Q-tip hasn't revolutionized their design in the last 50 years. It's a Q-tip. No, because it just works. Although I do like it when they have the extra padding on it, which is why I don't buy the Western Family, because I stabbed my ear one time too hard. Special things happening there in the Zoner household. Yeah. Uh, you you want to let listeners in on what the sound is that they're hearing? Do, do you hear that? Okay, I, I actually thought about apologizing up front. Uh but longtime listeners will remember a few years ago, uh, my dog had a litter of puppies, and there were a couple episodes where we had like sounds of a crime scene happening as as the puppies were whining for their mother, and we just had another litter of puppies the other day. So I now have eight dogs in my house, and six of them are very small and very noisy at times when they get stepped on or. It sounded like you were throttling a puppy there. Yeah, it it really did. I I was wondering if that was coming through. But yeah, so the next eight episodes, there is a very real possibility of hearing numerous dogs in my background. There's a show title, if ever there was one, Throttling a Puppy. (laughs) That is a good show title, too. We should. We'll get the ASPCA listening to us a lot suddenly. I wonder if PETA will, because. PETA, we had one show that we talked about PETA, and it was, like, really good on iTunes, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they listened to it a lot. Um, Okay, in more Apple news, there's actually a lot of Apple news this week, Um, and not all of it's good. It turns out that the iPhone 5S, it's supposed to have the most advanced motion sensors on there. has an accelerometer, has a gyroscope, has a leveler, has a balancer, has a... I'm making some of this up, but most of it I'm not. And it turns out they may not be working correctly. A lot of different uh, apps will use these onboard sensors to act as a leveler 
or for games, right? If you want to steer a car, you typically just tilt the iPhone one way or another. Well, in a lot of these benchmarks they're doing, the phones are up to six or six to nine degrees off where they should be. The compass isn't working. The leveler isn't working. The gyroscope isn't working. Nothing's working. And even comparing it to iPhone 5s, just regular iPhone 5s, also with iOS 7, they're off. This is all pointing to a lot of calibration control issues at the manufacturer, things that can't be fixed with a simple software update. Now, is this possibly why Apple Maps is letting people drive onto airport runways? No, no, that's just because Apple Maps sucks. I just wanted to throw Apple Maps in there. I Yeah, you knew exactly where that was going. I, I did know exactly where that was going. It involved moose love. <laughs> I There's nothing I can say about that. Um, <laughs> in one of the videos, uh, this is an article from Gizmodo, and one of the videos they actually show, and it's a racing game, and they have the phone just sitting absolutely level, the green light goes, the car takes off, and immediately steers into a wall. Now, this is not the worst thing that could possibly happen. Because it's only going to affect the first batch, probably, if Apple is quick to actually fix the issue and get them out there. And most people are not so... Like, like a person is going to just assume that they're holding it wrong more than the phone is wrong. Especially you know, because Apple has a history of telling them that they're holding it wrong. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that, but you're right. This time when people are going, oh, I must just be holding it. I must be shorter on one side than I am on the other. <laughs> you're right, Apple. I am malformed. <laughs> I love that word. Is that a word? Did I make that up? No, I think that's a real word. I like in that. Any, in any case, so I don't really see it affecting a whole lot of people, but to me... It's it's not a good sign of Apple's quality control, something that they used to be known specifically for. You know, they used to be known because, hey, yeah, okay, there are maybe one or two defects at launch, but they were just tiny little manufacturing things, and they always got it taken care of, almost faster than any other manufacturer. This Steve Jobs seems, was in charge, though. Yeah, this seems to be a slightly more glaring problem. Yeah, I think I think this is not a good sign for the state of Apple. We've talked about it for a while, but I really think Apple is going to... Uh, they're going to not have some good times ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, those problems with the sensors lead to another issue as well. In iOS 7, they have a special little feature uh, that creates a pa parallax effect on the display. If you're looking at your phone and you tilt it back and forth, you'll actually see the icons and the text move independently of each other and of the background, giving a 3D parallax effect. Of course, this is all based upon the accelerometer, the gyroscope, and the camera looking at your face to, to map your face. Well, it turns out a lot of people are not liking that effect. Part of it, honestly, could be because of the, the, the faulty sensors. I know the ones that I've dealt with have made me ill. And I don't get ill very often, but it's actually causing motion sickness. Now, there's no way to turn this off entirely. You can minimize the effect in the settings. But it's kind of a pointless feature to begin with, and you don't want a quote-unquote feature to actually make your users physically ill. Yeah, they're likening it to uh, car sickness. And mm -hmm. car sickness sucks. If you get car sickness or boat sick or whatever the case may be, you know how bad that is. So imagine that when you're with your phone 
all the time. And it's possible that this is just going to get worse as more and more manufacturers try and implement these little things to make it look pretty. Yeah. Uh, the iOS 7 upgrade, we've talked about some of the problems revolving around that already, but uh, it turns out there's another issue. Uh, school-issued iPads that were given out to students, the iOS 7 update blew away all the filters, all the uh, content filters that were put on them. So now students have complete unfettered access to everything. Because they all should. Right, right. Well, really, what can a kid do with a tablet? <laughs> you can't see the face I just pulled there. No, but trust that me, face, it was awesome. That face was awesome. I, I do concur, which is why I chuckled. I looked all round-eyed. <laughs> oh wow, you looked round-eyed like me. My I know my Caucasian self. Uh, but is it is iOS seven just? bad all around. It seems like ever since it came out, we've had nothing but bad press regarding it. Is Do they just need to blow it out and come out with 7.5? That's a real good question. Um, and I... All other iOS releases have... Sure, they've all had bugs. You can't go through an update without some bugs. That's gonna happen. I'm not faulting Apple for that at all. This is the first one that John Ives was specifically over. He was over all aspects of it. And it was the very, very first one that he did. And he was told, okay, you can completely overhaul it, but you have to hold to the same timetable that we always have done. Well, he wasn't able to do that. They had to push back the launch a few months. But I think it was too big an overhaul too soon. I don't think they did their due diligence in in testing it. I think they were... I think, And this may be just me talking out my butt, but I think whoever was testing it was too too focused on getting it out the door fast and were too sold on their own features to even stop and go, should we do this feature? Should we make it look this way? Is this really in the best interest of everyone? Yeah, being somebody who has a career in the field of testing, I can say that never happens. Companies never do that. And I'm being completely full of crap right now because it happens a lot. And so it makes perfect sense that if Apple is saying, okay, you can overhaul it, but you've got the same timetable, I can totally see that happening. That makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, so hopefully by iOS 8, they will have worked out these bugs, and, and this will all just be you know a drop in the bed. This will just be the Windows ME of the iPhone world. You know, just a, just a momentary black mark that they've moved past, you know? Yeah, that's quite a slam. Uh, another bit of Apple news that's come out this week, and this one I don't put a lot of credence in because it's full of a lot of ifs, but supposedly the iPad Mini, which is the new version, which hasn't been announced yet, will supposedly be a Retina display, which also has not been announced. And supposedly this mythical part on this mythical product is causing shortages in production. If this didn't come from routers, routers... Reuters. Reuters? Yeah. Like they've been doping? I think so. One of the three of them. If it hadn't come from one of the three of those places, I would totally dismiss this out of hand. Reuters does have a pretty good, you know, I mean, it's Reuters, for heaven's sakes. It's a news agency. A legend news agency. But it just seems like it's full of a lot of what-ifs. Yeah, don't you love that when the news 
companies are so desperate for news. They just like make crap up and they'll, they'll throw stuff out. And like, I think Squishy was actually talking about this on Facebook and they'll throw some nonsense out there and then put a question mark at the end of it. So yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what this is. It's like Apple shortages due to rumored shortages? Question mark, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I actually want to read a headline that says exactly that. (laughs) Boo? I mean, that's what this is. They're making crap up just trying to try and drive page views. Now, in uh, other stuff that isn't made up, uh, web usage traffic has been tracking the rise of Windows 8. And while at first it was gaining market share faster than Windows 7 had at the same time, all of a sudden, Windows 7 has decided to take a huge surge in the last few months and just take off. Windows 7 now commands 46% of the market share. Uh, Windows XP is down to 31%. Good job on killing it, guys. And Windows 8 has stalled at 8%. Now, Windows 8 haters will say, well, it's because Windows 8 sucks. Everyone knows that. Bro. <laughs> Sorry, I don't... All you Windows 8 haters, I'm not insulting you. I just didn't know what else to say there. But if you've ever worked in corporate IT, you actually know what this number means. Corporate IT is not adopting Windows 8 yet. It's still too new. And they're probably dreading having to teach their users how to use it. So they are adopting Windows 7. Typically, businesses are one to two years behind the curve when it comes to technology. That's just kind of how it is. Well, one to two years ago, what was the primary one? Windows 7. What's happening here is all the companies are ditching their Windows XP installs and adopting Windows 7. It's not the consumer market we're seeing this growth in. It's the business market. Which so makes total sen- it makes total sense though because if you're a business you're going to go with an OS that has a stable track record and like you said Windows 8 is still just too new people don't know what to expect with it fully well let's put it this way I love Windows 8 I have Windows 8 on every computer I have my phone is Windows 8 I don't want to roll it out to my company there's no way I want to do that. Can you imagine the amount of work having to teach that many people to stop freaking out at the start screen? Oh. <laughs> I didn't I'd die think in a about week. that. It's going to happen, though. It's going to happen. People are going to have to eventually upgrade to Windows 8 or Windows 9, no start button, start screen only, you know, whatever. They're going to have to, but they're going to delay it as long as possible. Yeah, you know what my life is going to sound like then? IT, this is Zook. Hit start. Okay. IT, this is Zook. Hit start. Okay. Non-stop. Yeah, yeah that's Eight how it's going to be. Eight hours a day. Maybe more if my in-laws get it. <laughs> I say that yeah, didn't even think about the, the family tech support calls. Ah. Uh, in other Microsoft news, and this is kind of a weird one, but a select group of investors in Microsoft who own a combined... of the shares want Bill Gates gone. This is weird to me. Uh, Bill Gates, of course, retired from the CEO position, but he's still chairman of the board, uh, and he still single-handedly owns 4.5% of all the shares. Now, he hasn't actually been actively involved in Microsoft in years. He's been spending all the time on his charity foundation. Yeah. But these investors 
are worried that he's going to exert too much influence and not allow a new CEO to come in and do what they need to do. When Balmer retires. Right, right. I should say when Balmer retires. Now, here's the thing I don't understand. So what? A lot of investors are still kind of upset with Microsoft. In 1999, their stock was worth over twice what it's worth now. Ever since 99, ever since, you know, 2000, ever since the new centuries rolled over, uh, Microsoft has been declining in market share. And it's not necessarily because of anything wrong Microsoft has done, but more because all these other companies have come out of the woodwork to do so much better. Well, I think also you've seen a drastic decrease in the share of PCs out there and laptops. It's all being replaced by tablets, and Microsoft was a bit late to the game on the tablet market. In a way. They were in actually first to the market, and it, no one liked it, so then they were last to the market afterwards. Yeah. They were ahead of their time before they were behind the eight ball. Yeah, a real bad set of circumstances there. And one could argue that is Microsoft's fault. That whoever's in charge totally misread the market and produced a product that was not yet ready and then was late to the party when the world was ready. So, I mean, they're not wrong in that regards. Now, the board, the uh, the rest of the shareholders can, frankly, ignore this motion if they want, or it might go to market. It might not go to market. It might go to vote. And if that's the case, he could be voted out as chairman of the board. But I would like to remind them, remember what happened to Apple when they got rid of Steve Jobs the first time? It wasn't pretty. You know, for better or for worse, the founding person of that company has a specific vision. There's no real point in getting rid of that vision sooner than you have to, especially when there isn't another vision ready there to replace it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Who's going to step in? Who's going to who's going to step up to up to bat and say, "Hey, okay, this is what we've got to do with the company going forward." Mhm. Maybe there's a big old line of people, but they're not saying anything because Bill Gates is still there. But I I think you're right. There's got to be the founder should still have influence over the company that they founded. Um, Let's go back across the pond again over to London. A 16-year-old kid has been taken into custody for perpetrating the largest cyber attack in the history of the Internet. If you don't remember this happening, it's because it happened back in March. And it was specifically against Spam House. Spam House is a Dutch-based anti-spam group. If you're not familiar with them, you don't need to be. A lot of corporations, a lot of companies use their services to help filter out potential spam. It's why spam filters have been getting so much better over the years. And why people who do spam have to work that much harder to try and get spam through. I've just said spam way more in two sentences than I ever have in the last few years. Now... This person managed to pull off a huge DDoS single-handedly against Spam House, and in doing so, dropped its services. This cascaded across everything else, because what happens when the service that tells you what is spam and what isn't spam suddenly stops? All mail servers that rely on this service then cascade it forward, and everything gets swamped with spam. And those servers start crashing, because believe it or not, there's a lot of spam out there trying to crash your mail server. There's so many Nigerian princes. I know, so many. There's more Nigerian princess princes than there are Nigerians. <laughs> 
there are so many, so much royalty there. You'd think it was like an episode of My Little Pony. It's ridiculous. Obscure. I know Zoner's giving me the weirdest look right now. I have daughters. Okay, I just got done with a marathon. Dude, you're a brony. Everyone in that freaking show is royalty somehow. It's ridiculous. You're this a is brony. my kingdom of five people. Brony. In any case, uh, he was taken into custody. On one hand, I almost want to give him credit. Hey, man, 16 years old and dropping the entire internet to its knees? I wasn't doing that at 16. I was just trying to get girls. Um, and by the way, you don't get girls by hacking. It, it doesn't work in any movie. It doesn't work here. But uh, on the other hand, that that's still bad. You know someone's going to give the kid a job somehow. He's going to end up working for the feds. Yeah, we're never going to hear from him again because he's working for MI6. Yeah. So... In which case, I guess, good job interview there, kid. That could you imagine doing that in a job interview? Yeah, I brought the I brought the internet to its knees for fifteen minutes because awesome. Uh, in other hacking news, we haven't had two hacking headlines together in a while. Adobe is admitting that earlier this year they were hacked, and in the process, two point nine million Adobe accounts were compromised and source code was stolen. That's bad stuff for Adobe. Now, if you're wondering what kind of accounts do people have for Adobe, remember that their new um, Creative Suite series is all cloud-based. You need to log on to be able to use their services now. Photoshop, Publisher, um, what else do they have? Audition. Whatever. Premiere. I just use Photoshop. That's all I know. I know. We all, we all have our own offline versions of the previous generation. But all of those are cloud-based services. You have to create an account and sign in. And, of course, Acrobat.com is still the online PDF publisher. And that's been around for a while. So 2.9 million user accounts were compromised. That's nothing small. That's nothing to, to scoff at. Um, they haven't really said who's yet. And I don't know. Maybe they don't deal with as much billing information that you don't need to worry well, I'm just thinking here, and even to download, I think, the latest version of CS6 for a trial, you had to sign up for an account, didn't you? I, I think I, you're right. And so that could be a lot of people. If you've got if you've got an Adobe product on your machine, there's a good chance that you got your information compromised. A recent Adobe product. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, finally, last. Uh, sorry if it sounds like I have a weird uh, transition there. This one's kind of sad news. Tom Clancy, um, author. Well, if you don't know who Tom Clancy is, really, where have you been? Uh, but he died this week at the age of sixty-six. Kind of young, actually, uh, and it was after just a brief illness. Uh, not a lot of details have been let out about it, but it, it only came two months before his next book was supposed to be released, Command Authority. Now, uh, of course, he's most famous for books like Patriot Games, Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger. Many of them have been made into very good movies as well. Uh, but he also wrote some nonfiction books like Fighter Wing and, uh, I forget what the uh, ground-based one. I, I, I read Fighter Wing just cover to cover, and it was just simply stories about how planes are made, how, how jet fighters were made. Um, if you have not read any of Tom Clancy's works, you owe it to yourself. I would suggest Hunt for Red October. It was one of my favorite. Uh, the book that uh, got everyone talking because it was so accurate that after writing and publishing the book, he was called into the Pentagon to be debriefed about what he could possibly know about actual espionage missions. 
just to have him tell him, um, I have a few sources for accuracy, but no, I did that all out of my head. So, definitely sad to see him go far too soon. Indeed. Alright, into our favorites this week, uh, and both of them have a common theme. This week was also the last episode of Breaking Bad. The season finale, series finale happened. Well, our friends over at Loading Ready Run, you remember one of our first Stolen Droids Presents with Graham Stark from that troupe, uh, they made their own video called Broken Bad, uh, talking about how thrilled they were to see the last episode and, and that one scene, oh my gosh, I know, and, and when he just, and then the gun, I know! Only to realize that everyone they're talking to don't actually watch Breaking Bad. No one does. But everyone is convinced that everyone else is, and they don't want to ruin it for them. So everyone's just really, really excited and about what they don't know. But they're so tired of it, and they're so happy it's over so they don't have to keep up the charade. Uh, I personally feel this way because I've never seen a single episode. I just haven't bothered to try and pretend like I have. It's worth the check out. Uh, in the end, they end up having to watch the entire episode, entire season series anyway, just because a new show's coming out, that, uh, that Saul series. So they end up having to watch it anyway, just a little bit caught up for that. It's worth a look. Go check it out. My favorite is also Breaking Bad. Related and unlike Zook, I am sad to see Breaking Bad go. Uh, not to the point where I, like, called 911 or anything but um yeah google it you'll find out people people called 911 uh when a cable outage took them down but um breaking bad uh, had a total of 269 deaths over their five season run and my favorite is essentially a periodic table of death it shows the death it shows how it was created or the responsible party and what the cause of death was. Uh, for instance, if you were burned to death, um, if you were shot um, by, I don't know, whoever. I don't want to give spoilers away. Uh, but it's really kind of, kind of cool. And I had no clue that 269 people actually died during the series. I knew that it was a lot of death. It's kind of a dark and violent show, but... It's a lot of people to get killed in just five seasons. Didn't you have a favorite like this months ago about uh, The Walking Dead? Yes, I did. It was a chart about every zombie and every person killed in Walking Dead. You're a very yep. morbid person. I am. Hey, it's it's what I am. <laughs> it's it's what I do. You know, I watch TV, and I was actually talking to a cop buddy of mine tonight, and I realized that I'm extremely desensitized to violence. Uh, you can thank 80s action films for that. Thank you, oh. Chuck Norris. It's also why he doesn't care about throttling puppies. All right, That's well, that is our show this week. Again, check us out, podcastawards.com. Nominate us, please. Be your best friend. We're easy. Uh, write us feedback at stolendroids.com. Let us know what you're thinking, 801-917-GEEK. Uh, until next time, cheers. Good day.